Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We got a great show for you guys today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating, and try and check us out here live Monday through Friday 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, on the DraftKingsNetwork.com. All those fun places here. Ross Tucker, our buddy here at the DraftKings Network, going to join us in the second hour of the show. He's been on the call for the last couple of Kansas City Chiefs game here. Works at Westwood One like my father. And he also, Dad, has the distinction. We talked yesterday about your goal in going and being a part of the call for the Super Bowl for Westwood One of meeting Taylor Swift on the sideline somewhere. Ross Tucker actually knows her. Ross Tucker is from Taylor Swift's hometown and has actually been in contact with the family, has been on the tour bus with his wife back at concerts way back in the day. And he told a story yesterday on the Ross Tucker football show about how he saw her after the game and showed him what, showed her one of the pictures of them from back in the day. And she said, oh yeah, I remember you. So Ross is actually such a ball knower that Taylor Swift has him on her radar. How about that? So let me ask you this. Listen, love Ross, and like we said, he worked the last two games, and and I remember hearing that about Taylor Swift, and that was years ago. Do you think that was a, yeah, I actually do remember you, or, oh, yeah, I remember you? She didn't remember him, no. No, yeah, no chance. I I, I love uh, that, Ross to death. A, she she probably gets that all the time. It's like you, Dad. The amount uh, yeah. of people that I've watched come up to you in public who are like, "Oh, Mike, we went to college together. You remember that one party sophomore year?" And I watch you very kindly fake the funk so that they don't feel bad. It it, it is amazing to me that that people will say, like, "You're right." I mean, I'm 61, and people today will say. Yeah, we went to college together. Remember that one Saturday night we arrived? And I'm, I'm like, dude, I don't remember yesterday. What, what, what are we doing here? I, I, don't, I don't get it. But we need to ask Ross that. If Ross truly believes she remembered, I don't mean to, you know, to ruin it for Ross here, but, but I, I'd like to know what he thinks about that because, you know, we'll have the opportunity again, you know, come Super Bowl, you know, to possibly, I'd want to see him interact you know, with her this time to, to I, I want to get, get the, get the vibe of, of what they have. 
It's going to be a big, important moment here, as it will be for you, Dad, at the Super Bowl, to find out just how high your star climbed during the height of the Mike and Mike years to see if Taylor Swift joins the list of Hall of Fame NFL players that have approached you at games and been like, Mr. Golick, I used to watch you all the time growing up. Listen, her dad's a big sports fan. We saw her dad vibing with Travis Kelsey at these concerts. So there's a non-zero chance that Taylor Swift had Mike and Mike on in the background at some point during her childhood since her and I are the same age. Well, and her brother went to Notre Dame, right? While, you know, yes. while you and Jake were there and she actually came to one of the practices. Mike, is it is it bad for me to say, now listen, I would love to meet her without question, but I'm not going to lie. If you gave me the choice of someone coming up to me and saying they listened or knew of me, Post Malone is going to be there as well. I, I might lean to Post. Post's father you know, what worked for the Cowboys. I don't know if he still does or did for years. I, I don't I don't know, Mike. That might be more Wait. for me. You think Post Malone saying, moves the needle for you more than Taylor Swift? I'm saying for me, yes. I, I there would oh, be so, I mean, I I'd like it for the both to do it. Yeah, it would be very cool. And probably really good for my street cred if, if uh, te- well, quite honestly, if either one of them did it. I mean, a couple of years ago when The Rock stopped and talked to me, I thought that, you know, helped my street cred, but it got me nowhere. Um, I, I know she's a bigger star. I get it. But, you know, and I like her music. I didn't go to the concert that you guys all went to as, Mike, you are really a Swifty. I, I, I enjoy her music. I went to one of her concerts uh, with your, your mother and your sister, Sydney, and your friend, Kevin Egan, which is a whole nother story. Uh, years and years ago, when she was kind of just just kind of starting out, um, but yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm I'm a big time Post Malone fan as well. So I, I I would I would take either or. Believe me, I would take either or. But I think that would be pretty cool if Post did as well. Dad, let me just tell you this: that's the last time you're you're going to admit that publicly. You made huge inroads with the Swifty community yesterday for your support of Taylor Swift coming off the weekend, and we are going to try and keep you in their good graces because now they <laughs> care about you and they want to see what's best for you. And that would be Taylor Swift, not Post Malone, saying hi to you before the Super Bowl or after the Super Bowl this year. We're just going to go okay. ahead and establish the ground rules of that right. right now. We know what's I, best. I didn't for you. say I didn't say anything derogatory to Taylor. I, I would love that to happen. No, as no, well. we know, I, we know. I, We're just not going to clip this off. Okay. No, yeah, we're, not right. gonna, we're not going to. We're not going to. I mean, you not, don't, Post you don't Malone's think... internet's not going to do for us what Taylor Swift's internet did for you yesterday. So yeah. we're going to let him have that one. If he hears it in passing, he seems like a great dude. Glad he seems to be doing very well in life right now. All those things. You know what? They could, well, hopefully, Dad, we can get both for you here. How about that? Can right. I interest you I would, in both? I, I would agree with that. But I'll say this. If for somehow, some way, Taylor Swift heard these comments, I bet she's a huge Post Malone, Post Malone fan. And would would be okay with that as well. I I, I don't think she would feel slighted I, in any way. No, I don't think she know? cares at all. But no, no I, I, I was gonna say so I don't either. think she, I don't think she needs any of this. As we've as we've <laughs> seen, she, she doesn't need anybody's help doing anything <laughs> no, related to attention. No, in fact, but this, not she according to the camera. She would like everyone to go away. Yeah, not according to some of the conspiracy theories, Mike. I got asked to go on a a political station last night. I didn't do it because I have always said I am not doing the politic thing. I'm not doing it. The the reason was, I was asked, was to go on. I won't won't name the show or the person. I think I have an idea of which one. (laughs) 
It wasn't normally. I've been on CNN a number of times. It wasn't CNN. Yeah, we, was not right. CNN. I, I know it wasn't CNN Fox based on where on this is going. The run, yeah. screaming every, it, okay, continue. It, it wasn't Fox either, by the way. Oh. Um, so the, the, the reason was that there was a conspiracy theory out here about one of the people who was a, a, a presidential candidate for five minutes saying that the NFL was going to rig the Super Bowl for the Chiefs so that Taylor Swift would have the stage to back Joe Biden. I, I, I kid you not. This is yeah, the text no, I, I got to come on their show and talk about that. And I politely responded, thank you. I said, that's a ridiculous, ridiculous conspiracy theory, but I have no want to come on and get into any political talk at all. The amount of people, I was reading yesterday how the, the, with Taylor Swift and Travis, it's a complete setup because he does the, the vaccine commercials and, and her stance in politics. It blows my we, mind that, that everything is a, a conspiracy the theory. Very quickly. What's that? I said, we need to get you to a different corner of the internet very quickly because oh. I have also seen these things in glancing blows and the TV I, network that Mike Gundy likes to watch needs to go find somebody else to try and do I, appearances I, on their shows to talk about this wild asked, stuff. And we and we need to talk about normal football and not this now. We have lost the plot but, here to start the show. Can we, but, for the love of God, talk about the Chiefs being underdogs? No, Senior has Super something to say. Up, Look at him. Oh, I was just going to say, I saw this. I saw this text and me and your mother had worked out that we were having breakfast and I showed it to her. I said, what do you think? She's like, no way in hell are you doing that? No shot. Yeah. Are you going nope. on that Thank show? God. I, th I thought, yeah, I, I, I don't need that smoke at all. No. Jesse, speaking of smoke, the Chiefs continue to get smoke as underdogs <laughs> heading into the Super Bowl. Please save us from ourselves. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, nine and three straight up as an underdog. That's regular season and postseason. So he improved to 10-1-1 one, one against the spread, uh, regular season and postseason as an underdog. So these are all the underdog numbers. Uh, quarterback is now 2-0, Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, 2-0 as a road underdog in the playoffs, you guys. And there was a lot of talk about that, about how he never had a road playoff game. He went out 2-0, let's go. He's now 6-0 against the spread in games which the spread opened at plus three or higher. And he talked about the Chiefs and their underdog status with Kaylee Hartung after the game. We've been underdogs for the last few games, um, but we never feel like underdogs. Uh, we got a lot of guys on this team that know how to win. Um, and when playoffs came around, I knew we were going to make it happen. And uh, now we're in the Super Bowl, and the job's not done. We got to go out there into Vegas and uh, play a great team and see if we can go out there and get the Super Bowl. It's like what we talked about yesterday, Gojo, where it's like, haven't you learned not to bet against Patrick Mahomes yet? <laughs> And we talked about that with Matthew Barry, and we asked, how are the Chiefs underdogs? And we saw the line moving a little bit, but I woke up this morning to double check again, and the Chiefs are still two-point underdogs right now. Has no one learned? Does no one care? Does no one understand the force that we're dealing with right now? And, uh, Dad, I, I don't know, coming off this weekend, are you surprised, based on the football, now maybe that we've got... 24, 48 hours to be removed from the immediacy of the game, watching what Mahomes and the Chiefs did to a team like the Baltimore Ravens. From a football standpoint, what would be the justification for this right now? I, I don't know, quite honestly, because we always talk about Kansas City and their offense, though the weapons have been a bit limited passing-wise to Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. Those have been the guys, uh, obviously Pacheco out of the backfield. 
But to me, one of the big differences in this team is we had said before the playoffs started, this is the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had on this Kansas City team. And they showed it certainly in the playoffs against a Baltimore, uh, Buffalo and then absolutely showed it against Baltimore. Both those defenses were fantastic. But the Kansas City defense really, really stepped up. And we'll get into that they lost one of their one of their D linemen uh, for the Super Bowl in that. Uh, but I, I thought that would put them over the top because Mahomes is Mahomes. So this offense normally is going to score. They didn't score a ton against Baltimore. But again, this was the top defense. So I'm surprised because this KC defense is playing as well or better than the San Francisco defense. And then even though there's more to it, there's Christy McCaffrey, there's Debo, there's Ayuk, there's you know Kittle. And that's probably what they're going on because when you just match up quarterbacks, I know everybody says, how can you favor Brock Purdy over Patrick Mahomes? Obviously, the odds makers are not saying Brock Purdy is better than Patrick Mahomes. That's not how this thing works. They are obviously saying as a whole, we feel San Francisco is two points better uh, than Kansas City or you know, for what, what, whatever it ends up at, or where they're going to set the line. And I just think they feel overall from a complete team. And we've been saying it all year, Mike, that two of the most complete teams were Baltimore and were the San Francisco 49ers. So when you look at it now, can we say that now, offensively, San Francisco still has more weapons. They're deeper in the weapon category than Kansas City is. But to me, the difference has been that Kansas City defense. So I am a little bit surprised that uh, Kansas City is not the favorite. I guess that's my thought is I can understand being a little bit dated when we started the postseason based on what San Francisco had done, especially on its side of football during the regular season. Now they got blowed out by the Baltimore Ravens team that came over and was the one seat on the AFC side. It wasn't particularly close, but the reputation of the season I can get, but now that we've gotten through the postseason, they've been losing both games that they've played in the postseason right now. They've been in most people's estimation outplayed for three quarters of most of the games they've been a part of this postseason while the Kansas city chiefs have gone out there and really been in control for the vast majority of this postseason, even though it's in a different way, we should be a Adjusted now to the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs are winning by, like you said, playing stingy defense, running multiple tight end sets out there, and then asking Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey to hook up for like two plays a game and make things happen. So I, I am genuinely surprised from that sense, Dad, because yes, there are a lot of really compelling football parts on the San Francisco 49ers, but so are there for the Chiefs. And yeah. the Chiefs have also been more consistent this postseason in their identity than I think the 49ers have by far right now. Oh, listen, I agree. In in calling the Green Bay game, we saw that offense was off kilter a bit, especially Brock Purdy. And even in this last game, while Brock had a monster second half, um, he was, what, 13 of 16 for 174 yards and a touchdown. And in the first half, he was 7 of 15 for 93 yards in that interception where his hand got hit. So it was kind of tale of two halves for Brock Purdy and the team being down 17 at halftime and then having that monster third quarter. So I agree. It's been more consistent on the Kansas City side. So maybe are they just daring people? I mean, to just say, are you I, kidding me? All the money going on Kansas City? I mean, maybe that's it. I don't know. I don't know how the, the odds game work, uh, quite honestly. But, man, they're, they're certainly daring you, aren't they? 
Yeah, and, and I do understand that the whole point of odds is to get enough people to bet on both sides right, and all those things. Right. There's a lot of very smart math people that live out in Vegas that do this, and that's why I'm a dumb boy that sits in my apartment and does a show with my dad. Uh, the 49ers <laughs> probably could make a claim to this because of the way their quarterback Brock Purdy has played. We've heard the game manager conversation going on around him, and uh, I think most of his teammates have started to notice and lead into the bit. Fred Warner, their great linebacker after the game, made sure to rub this one in people's noses a little bit. I mean, what can you say about Brock Purdy and his performance tonight? Heck of a game manager. Wow. Manage the heck out of that game, boy. <laughs> he the reason we're going to have a chance to win us a ring. I love him. I, I mean, that's, that's really <laughs> well, the point where we're at now, Dad, is we can parse this conversation through a million ways. I think Brock Purdy, a, a lot of this has been he's become – more of a reaction to fans reactions here. This is a lot of people fighting about different things all at once when it comes to Brock Purdy. But I do think because of this prolonged exposure to him, because he's been now to two straight NFC championships and he's getting ready to go to the first Super Bowl that he's been healthy enough to go to. And the 49ers right. fans said last year that if he'd been healthy, they'd made it there. And I think now we're getting to the point where people can look and go, yes, he is obviously not as talented as some of the other quarterbacks that were left at the end of the dance here in the playoffs. But in two games that they weren't supposed to win or weren't supposed to be able to win coming back from behind in a way we didn't think they were built. He has stepped up and made plays when it's counted. And to do that, being the last pick in the draft, not being that talented, I think is starting to finally just be universally looked at as a pretty cool story, I would hope. So I, I think now, Mike, there are, are two. One's a, a phrase and one's a word that I just get misinterpreted. It's game manager, and we talked about yesterday, analytics. They're both considered like oh. swear words, right? You can't be a game manager and, oh, my God, analytics. As I said, analytics is just information that you ingest, and then you choose what you want to do with that information. And game manager, listen, he is a game manager. All quarterbacks at times are game managers. But when they're asked to make a play – Go look at the third down play to Jawan Jennings that he made against Green Bay when he threw that incredible ball over the mini, middle and Jennings went up, you know, climbed the ladder and got it. When he had to make the throw, he did. I think one of the reasons that falls on Brock is the fact that he has Christy McCaffrey to hand the ball off to or swing pass to, Kittle to throw the ball to, Ayuk to throw the ball to, Debo Samuel to hand it off to or throw it to. So they say he just manages that, which he does, and any quarterback would love to be in that situation. But when asked to make a play, he has made plays. So that, that's all that matters. And quite honestly, all that matters is his teammates know that and Fred Warner sticking up for him again off the Cam Newton comments that he's a game manager. But game manager to me is, is, is misinterpreted at times. I know how Cam meant it and some people mean it. You can't go win a game. You just manage it by being a point guard and getting the ball to the real players because you can't make a play. And, we, and it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He can make a play when he has to, but he does have a lot of weapons to deal the ball off to. So you know what he can do? Smile, nod, and walk into the Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl quarterback right now. Now we'll see if he's a game-winning Super Bowl quarterback. But sure. I, I, I think, we, yeah, we just get caught up in that term way too much.
Well, and it's because his team's accomplishments have put him eye to eye with some of the biggest mutants the sport has to offer, guys that are far longer veterans in this league than he is at that position. And now all of a sudden he's looped into the comparison with them because statistically he's there. And so it forces people to say a lot of weird things that they wouldn't otherwise say when celebrating a story that's an objectively good one about someone maximizing their ability with the opportunity that they were given here. Brock Purdy reminds me a lot of the idea of tracking that comes up in schools where you get uh, you know you get people that are able and capable when they're young and smart put in you know classes at a high level ap classes honors classes and they get the best teachers and they of course develop a lot of really good habits because of that and end up doing really well because of that and the argument always is well people that might you know need a little bit more help need those teachers better would benefit more from it but what you see with brock is it has helped now build a bunch of habits that allow him the comfort to go out there and make a lot of those plays. He's a guy with a ton of veteran moxie already coming from college and the amount of ball he played. But dad, we always talk about the inverse where rookie quarterbacks play behind a sieve of an offensive line like Bryce Young right. and you get hit all the time and you turtle up and you're worried about making plays. Brock Purdy has always had good things at his disposal. And so it's allowed him to play with a confidence and a freedom that's now benefiting this team. So they get into big moments and he's not afraid to cut it loose in spots where maybe others might think twice. And it's going to benefit him more. Sometimes it's more of a benefit to go later in the draft to a better team because in the end, he's going to, from a money standpoint, he's going to make more money than some of the top rated quarterbacks that came out in the draft without question. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic Research, development, and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust, and it's great in convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Fellas, it is well documented that Lamar Jackson has eaten the same pregame meal since high school. Said pregame meal is shrimp Alfredo, which 
A little shiver just went down my spine thinking about eating a cream-based shrimp pasta before I were to run around or just walk somewhere. So I can't that's, imagine how someone wild. eats that before that a game. wild stuff. Wild Absolutely stuff. Absolutely wild stuff. As someone who used to puke before every game I ever started, Dad, the thought of <laughs> eating shrimp Alfredo pregame, anywhere close to the actual game, let alone even the day before, is something so antithetical to my lifestyle. And now I'm actually drooling while I talk because I just said shrimp Alfredo. Mm. Well, Lamar wow. Lamar has said that it helps his brain, gives him a, a level head, you know, carbs, great for energy, blah, blah, blah. But on Sunday, the shrimp Alfredo and another playoff loss, you know, likely didn't sit well with the prospective league MVP, as we can imagine. So now it's time for our Yums and Tums segment, sponsored by Tums. With Tums Fast Heartburn Relief, your favorite foods are never a gamble. Guys, that... 17-10 loss to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship dropped Lamar to 2-4 and four in his postseason career. Now, Odell Beckham Jr. said this loss just going to make Lamar hungrier. Hopefully not for Shrimp Alfredo. He said there are certain <laughs> moments that define you. This is just one that will be in his career. The grades have all been through tough times. I don't think it's going to stop him from wanting to get to his ultimate goal. If anything, he's going to work even harder. So, guys, this brings up the conversation. Everybody's been talking about this. Lamar's legacy. What's going on after this one? You know, what do the Ravens have to do to get back here? And the conversation is sort of centered around how Lamar can't get it done in the postseason. So, uh, I, I, I want to get to that. But first, Mike, I am happy you didn't eat shrimp Alfredo. Jesse, you would see Mike before every game. Mike threw up all the time. Mike, if they wore white jerseys, God forbid they drank orange Gatorade because Mike would have orange just down his shirt from throwing up all the time. So it just was a nasty. nerve so, thing? Like you just... Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. with Mike, it was I had to get it out before thing. the game. I was yep. always kind of wound pretty tight and, yeah. you know, worried about trying to stay on the field and, you know, try and block 300-pound oh. super yeah. athletes on the other side of the ball. It was terrifying, quite honestly. And uh, <laughs> I had to, like, I had to completely just... I also had acid reflux because I was fat. And I had to completely adjust like game days. I was eating so little. I had to like figure out when to time everything. I was always trying to tinker with it. And it still led to the same thing, which is the back of the tunnel at Notre Dame getting absolutely power washed by my innards. That's you. Yeah, and George, just, Kittle. He, George Kittle does that too before games. Yeah. So uh, listen, I mean, it, it's he not George Kittle, very rare. similar careers in football output. Yeah. Yes. I remember the uh, Mark Schlera talking about the Denver offensive line. They would pass around or or kind of move around one of those big um, rubber trash cans, and they'd all throw up in it before the game. So it's, it's certainly not something that, that Mike, you're alone in. I, I wonder how pregames have changed. Like when I was playing a pregame meal, 7 o'clock in the morning included steak, which and, and we ate it, which – after a while, you realize, why would you do that? It does nothing for you but sit in your gut for the entire game. So I ended up eating, uh, after you know learning that a little bit through the nine years, I would eat scrambled eggs and a baked potato. That became my pregame meal in the morning for some protein with the eggs and some carbs with the potato uh, and nothing seasoned or anything like that. And I would imagine, Mike, that just what you said, you didn't eat a whole lot because you knew you were just ralphing it up. Oh, it was like bland chicken and green beans and then a hope and a prayer that today my body might not revolt <laughs> back against me. But those prayers were never answered. I kept puking. And Lamar Jackson, 
while he didn't throw up uh, the shrimp Alfredo before this game or any game, which, by the way, that was my go-to order at Chili's for years. The only thing I would order there was grilled shrimp Alfredo, and it was delightful. Yeah, very good. But, yes, it was. Uh, Dad, for Lamar Jackson in this game, going back and watching it again yesterday, the thing that, that stunned me the most, and I, I think overall playoff legacy stuff like that, like he's still won to get to this point. Like It's not like we're still yeah. dealing with that idea of he can't win in the postseason. He did. They won convincingly the week prior to that, and then they lost to the premier quarterback and team of this generation right now in the Kansas City Chiefs, which is going to be a distinction that a lot of people have. I do think the trouble for Lamar, Dad, is he did not play good in this game. Lamar Jackson, who we had waxed poetic about on this show plenty down the stretch of the season looked bothered by pressure in a way that was stunning given the fact that he had stared down so much of it the week prior from a defense that was still very good maybe not as good as the Chiefs defense but still a good D'Amico Ryan's led Houston Texans defense and he'd stared it down and he had made plays and in this game he almost seemed to freeze up in certain moments against this blitz package from Spags in a way that I didn't understand so that was the disappointing part to me dad is this was out of character based on what we had seen from Lamar not only in his career but certainly this season I agree the expectation is that he's going to come up with a play because remember it was a close game it's a one score game but I'll say this again and why I hate the fact that quarterbacks have wins and losses as a stat because so much more happened in that game we went over the amount of veterans on defense who made boneheaded mistakes and plays that cost their team 15 yards and and kept Kansas City with the ball turnovers that happened as well and Mike I can't get this out of my mind that you're the leading rushing team in the NFL Todd Munkin had been I think really a big time you know acquisition in the offseason to be the offensive coordinator he's getting looks to be a head coach but there's another stat that's out when Baltimore has been within 14 points of the lead on first down they've run the ball 50-50. 50% 50-50. 50% of the time they run the ball, 50% of the time they pass the ball. In this game, when they were down 14, out of the 26 first and tens, they ran it nine times. I have no idea why they went away from it. I haven't heard an explanation from Todd or from John Harbaugh about this. I, d- I don't know if some at some point we will. I'll say again, credit Kansas City defense. RPOs are supposed to come out quick. Credit that Kansas City defense for playing some good sticky coverage and not letting that ball come out quick, and then the pressure getting to Lamar. Because if that RPO is not open, you got to stand and hold the ball longer than you want to. And even in a regular passing situation, regular play action that they run, if no one's open, you got to hold the ball longer than, than you have to. I understand it's going to be on him. You're the MVP. It's a one-score game. You know, 17-10, you got to try and make something happen. You're the guy that can do it. You know, taking off on one of those 30-yard runs or whatever or making that big throw. But there was a whole lot else that contributed to that loss. Why, I'll say again, I hate wins and loss stats for the quarterback because it's all going to – everybody's doing what we're doing. What does this do to Lamar's legacy? What does it do to Lamar's legacy? Because this is how we judge quarterbacks. Todd Munkin did a ton for this offense this year. It seems like he's got a good chance of being back next year. Mike McDonald's getting ready to go and yeah. interview with the Seahawks today. Seems like he's going to be the one they probably lose, which is a shame because that was a defensive masterpiece from that man against the Chiefs you know, outside right. of a couple drives in the first half. But Todd Munkin, I mean, is going to have 
some interesting questions to answer of his own the next time we hear from him about what the thought process was there because that was the number one rush offense in football. They still moved the ball. They still had chances to score. It's not like nothing yeah. worked in their game plan because they had opportunities to win this that they lost on a fumble and in a bad interception, but still the fact that that wasn't a tool they went back to more often because it worked at the beginning was wild to me. So I'd agree. That's the much more egregious part of this, but it should not obscure. Lamar Jackson did not play well in the opportunities no. where it was no. presented. Their plan for that Kansas City pressure was not in a place where he executed on or felt like it was in place to go out there and be all that successful. So uh, they do have questions that they're going to have to answer now about the charges of them against the other best because they are not compared to the Houston Texans. They're not going to be compared to teams sneaking into the wild card based on where they're at, Ted. They're going to be compared to the Bills and the Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals and the other teams right. that are going to be contenders year in and year out in the AFC and we've seen everyone south of you know really it's going to be Buffalo and Baltimore now dad that have those things to cope with right is how they are going to fare going up against the best of the competition the AFC has to offer and while that's not the worst slander you can say to someone once you've won an MVP that's where you get discussed yeah I you know I, I think and I've heard people say that Todd Munkin wanted Lamar to throw it more to show that he could win this game, which is a ridiculous thought. You do what you have to do to win the game, okay? That, that's what you do. So that means you do with what you've done well, and that's running the ball. So uh, I, don't, I don't buy into that mentality at all. Now we'll wait and see if they have their defensive coordinator back or if he's going to be a head coach somewhere. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Dan Campbell has been coming under fire for his fourth down decisions in the NFC Championship game. Guys, Campbell generally not afraid there to pull the trigger on fourth down situations. Lions went for it on fourth down 34% of the time during the regular season. That is the highest rate of any team this century, according to ESPN stats and information research. Despite the loss, despite the criticism, Dan Campbell has no regrets. It's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. Um, I get that. But I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard. You know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't, we didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out, but I just, I don't. I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. Um, but, you know, we just, just didn't work out. 
I was going to ask you what you thought of the Dan Campbell criticism, but I already know, Gojo, you're going to stand by your man. Uh, always. Dan Campbell forever. World without end. Amen. And, and I, I do go back to this again because I didn't have this stat yesterday. Shout out to Dan Orlowski, who I saw breaking this down on ESPN yesterday. The Lions were stopped three times all season on fourth and three inside opponent territory. As Dan pointed out, it was basically their tush push. They had this down. It was a part of their DNA, Dad, that is practiced and that is repped. And so you can call on it in big moments like this. And that's why, again, I go back to process. I understand, hey, we're a bottom line business. Football is about what you ultimately produce. The standard is the standard. Your record, you are what your record says. It All that stuff like that. But man, like we got to stop acting like this was something like completely out of character, out of nowhere, or something that hasn't worked overwhelmingly for them. You know, I, I disagree. I disagree with you. I, I heard Dan say that as well, and I heard Dan also say if they made one block, that play was in. And my answer to that is, if I hit three more numbers on the Powerball, I wouldn't be doing the show. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't care wow. if a play wouldn't work. It didn't work. Okay, and and the. the there's a different situ uh, outcome to every situation. You can say it only didn't work three times, but has it ever been run in a situation where you need to bank your three timeouts that you need them so you don't have to rely on an onside kick as the outcome if you happen to not make this one? Every one of these situations from the fourth down in the third quarter to the fourth down in the fourth quarter had different situations. One, you could go up three scores. The other, you could tie. Don't, and, and that goal line. And oh, by the way, if Dan is this aggressive guy that we all love, tell me then, Mike, on fourth and three with seven seconds to go in the half on the three-yard line, why didn't Detroit go for it then? Why did Dan kick the field goal to go up 24 to seven? Where was the aggressiveness because, at that point? Because the because you lose a lot of the advantage of going for it down near the goal line when you're coming up at the end of the half because the field position's not affected as much as it would be if you're dealing with time the rest of the game and you have someone started off back up there. So that's you, you like mean you, said, you every mean situation different. Right. In the same way where you give up if you have to give up a timeout, you're screwed situation at the well, end of a game that, that he well, did. No, I mean, but, come I mean, on. That, that's that. But no, but Dad, that wasn't a fourth down. We're not talking about fourth down decision-making on the run you referenced. You and I both agreed no, that. No, but you're talking run about a decision. run. You're talking about the decision of using a play that could potentially cost you a timeout, and then you're wiped out on, on uh, kicking it off deep. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. I, Every situation, and, and, and I know that's the answer for the end of the half. I know that's the answer, that there's, you're not playing a field position I, game. I, I don't, I don't that's my what point. You're at, though, because that run that we're talking about wasn't a fourth down decision. It's not lumped into the conversation. I, I know, Mike, 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 Mike. I understand that. I'm saying every play has a consequence. That's my point. Yeah. The, the fourth down play, I get why they kicked the field goal. I understand why they kicked the field goal. I'm, that my, my point isn't just fourth downs. That's why I'm going to that running play uh, that cost them the timeout. Every play has a significant consequence to it. And while Dan has been very aggressive, it cost him here because of that. I was, it was absolutely the right play at the end of the half to kick the field goal. I was sitting at home saying, you got to kick the field goal here. Completely get it. Because that was, to me, the right thing to do in that circumstance. And I will forever say, I don't care if they were one block. Even Dan, Dan uh, Campbell said they were one block away from it working. I don't care. It didn't work. And it cost you the onside kick. 
That's what, that's what was laying on that play. That's all that was laying on that play was you were going to have to now do something if you didn't make it that barely anybody does anymore. Anybody does is recover an onside kick. And you put your team in that situation because you ran the ball. Yeah, no, I, I realize now you and I are arguing about two different things. I wasn't talking about yeah. that play. I understand your gripe with that right. play, though. Absolutely. My, my thought was just on the fourth down calls that came earlier no. in the game no. and, and all of those things. So I understand what you're saying about that play. And all of this does kind of go back to this idea that we're mistakenly lumping all this stuff together in the same way you talked about before. Uh, I went and looked it up the other day. It's semantic, uh, semantic satiation is when you say a word so many times that it starts to lose its meaning. You've ever done that dad where all of a sudden you've heard a word repeated so much, your brain kind of spaces out and you sort of lose the plot. That's what's happened with analytics right now. Cause I saw the yeah. Mike Florio tweet yesterday and it, Mike Florio, you know, does a great job for the most part and, you know, is a contributor to football online and all that stuff. And, Tweeted yesterday, a coach told me earlier today that analytics was just a way for people who never would have gotten jobs in football to get jobs in football. To understand no. that is to understand why they get so defensive whenever anyone questions analytics. And just to me, the, the poetry of Mike Florio, who is not a man who you know, clearly played NFL football or would have looked like what you have as the stereotype for someone whose background is in football – Having this tweet come up because of something that Dan Campbell did, which, as we've talked about, is not always objectively the analytical inclined decision. Right. It's just Dan Campbell likes to throw gas all the time, to me, was sort of perfect to really show just how far we've strayed from the Lord's light on this subject. We're now yeah. analytics, even in 2024, is still this boogeyman that people try and lump a whole bunch of things underneath when they're made uncomfortable by people of different backgrounds being around the sport that they love. Couldn't agree more. As I said, th that word should be thrown out. It shouldn't be a word anymore. It should just be information. That's all it is, is information, and you base your decision off information. You can go with the information that says you should do it this way, or you can go against the information that says you should do it this way. It's whatever you feel. So I, I, I'm with you. The word analytics is so warped right now. Like I said, like game manager, it's just warped. It's just warped into our thought process of it. The bottom line is Dan Campbell is an aggressive coach. When push comes to shove, he's going to take the aggressive approach. That doesn't always mean it's right, and it's not going to work every time. We know that. Look, at I mean, it's like 34% he goes for it on fourth down. That's way the highest in the league. It's like, it's like it, you know, it, it, it always doesn't work in your favor, a high percentage. You hit... 300 in baseball, you're going to be a you know multimillionaire and set up the next three generations of your family. So you know failure is still a major part of it, but you're still going on what you think based on the odds and the information that you're getting to make your decision. But as I said, based on that, Dan Campbell still is a guy who absorbs that information and still basically says, we're going for it. <laughs> and, and most importantly, Mike, and you know this, especially you're on the offensive side, the players know it, and the players aren't yeah. stunned at all. They're they're not moving, you know, off that field. They're they're not looking over. Are we kicking a field goal? Are we punting? What are we doing? They basically know they're going for it. I just want everyone to stop blaming analytics and people yeah. that do Agreed. math for anything that you don't like currently about football. This sport is too big, stupid, and violent to ever become siloed into anything you're worried about it becoming, like too many corner threes in the NBA and the spacing there or what baseball's become right now. Like, 
it's too interdependent a sport that can't happen. And so again, I'll say what I tweeted yesterday is if you love football and you have something to offer it, and you come from a background that might not be the most traditional. Come on in, man. We got room for everybody here. Football's better when everybody's involved, and this kind of gatekeeping is lame. It's old. It's tired. I thought we were kind of done with it, but apparently it's going to creep back up the moment feel infringed upon by, oh, wait a minute, checks notes, Dan Campbell being a hyper-aggressive meathead in pivotal situations because he came up being coached, and I saw Kevin Clark mention this, by Sean Payton, who was also one of the most aggressive coaches in football when it came to in-game decision-making. So everybody... Calm down, take a chill pill. Coming up next, we're going to show my dad weird stuff from the internet from over the weekend and see what he thinks. just incredible <laughs> welcome back to gojo and golik as you can see I mean, by that incredible uh, intro and what is going on with gojo's face i don't we, know what i did to the staff of this show i apologize yeah. but apparently <laughs> it is just apparently it was so unforgivable that this is what you guys think of me now yeah. where i become a koopa Love yeah it. you have um but senior so we have a new meme sweeping the internet okay so okay. now it's time for golik versus the internet all right so Sydney Sweeney, who, uh, senior, when we were in our break, who do you, how did you describe her? Uh, the, she's from season one of White Lotus. Yeah, she's the lady from White Lotus. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. It's just not what okay. most people would, would point to as her, as her number one thing. But it's funny. Oh, that what are, uh what is you've her number never, one thing? Look, we don't have time to explain Euphoria to you. Okay, okay. so listen. <laughs> She, she's being hailed as the meme queen. You just saw the, she was on Hot Ones, okay? Which yeah. is, you know, where she, eat, yeah, yeah. And, and she looked. Like that show. She's like doing that. this face and the internet was like, here we go, let's do internet uh. stuff. So here are some of my favorite um, memes that have come of this so far. So we have this one over here. Let's go to the touch screen, thank you so much. So uh, ladies, when they go home with a man and see a headboard because. <laughs> <laughs> Many ladies go home with a man and they see a mattress on the floor. Uh, this, oh God, that was the Pope meme, you know? If you're deeply online, the one where, where the Pope was holding up the Eucharist and something goes into the corner, but we've redone it with um, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. This one, sh yeah, shout out, to, uh, shout out to our edible Pop-Tart situation. These were some of my favorite ones. Um, one that did not make it, uh, but was also my favorite one, was her looking like this. And then it said, the way I look at the man that I told all my friends I hate. So that, that oh, yeah. also a solid one. It's, it's the look of adoration, Dad. And, and it, I have not seen the internet down this collectively bad in I don't know how long. Some of you uh, really need the Lord's light based on the response I saw to this. But Sean Evans does an awesome job with Hot Ones. It's an incredibly fun show. And Sydney Sweeney went on there, Dad, gave, gave this there. And the whole idea of the meme, Dad, is you're looking fondly in adoration at something that's going on. Is there anything from this weekend that made you feel like that in the world of sports? 
I got to watch football. Is that <laughs> enough? I, I, I don't know. What am, I mean, what, what am I supposed to? I, I don't understand. I like the show. I'd like to be on the show. I know it's an interview based around trying, you know, hot wings and things like that. But th- this is what we got off of that, her looking off into the distance. And you know what? I, one, one thing I'll say, Postpone, while I like, don't I... know this because I saw the meme and I went right by it. It's not like I clicked on it to see what everybody said because I didn't really care. Is at least it's something harmless, Okay, it's not people bickering about something. Um, Why? What what, was there? Something again? I didn't go through this stuff because I don't care. I I, I don't care what people think. It is harmless. It is for the most part of what can be on the internet. This is harmless, right? Yeah, I mean, mean, this is just. There's men on the internet who are turning this into something inappropriate, but it's generally. I mean. uh, they they do just, that with everything. I, I get it. Okay, that's just but the internet. I, I, so have if you, you just have, look have you a certain seen way, the dude popcorn bucket. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, so it it, ba- it it basically just takes one, right, to start the brush fire. Somebody it does. say something about this picture, <laughs> and all of a sudden we have this. You know this. this I, I mean, I don't know how many different. Like we're doing we it to you right thing. now. You're the thing that Sydney Sweeney this, is looking this, at. This, this would be this honestly. This would be my father's face when he walks into someone's home and they mention they recently changed their air filters. No. That would be oh, the thing yeah. that elicits that response. No, no, from no, my father. no. That is senior's face when your mom says it's time to take a bath. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That is. That is. That I is would love thinking it. about a bath right there. That is one hundred percent. All right. The face. All right. I, I like will that say, game. Yeah, you get it now, senior. See? You I, get I, I get it. the game. Okay, I mean, I'll never, I'll probably never contribute to the game, but I get the game. I yeah. mean, so I like it. It's how funny people can get the, but then always some people take it too far. I would imagine. Yeah, that's human yes. nature. <laughs> exactly. Right. It is. Uh, it is. It is that kind of game there. So that is, by the way, okay. the face I made looking up and watching, even in the midst of a Ravens loss, our dear sweet Notre Dame child Kyle Hamilton absolutely balling this weekend. But Jesse, let's get to this catfish situation here. <laughs> we throw uh, more internet things at dad. Um, well, we're not sure we're going to have time for everything, so we're actually going to go straight to Elmo. Um, so oh. Elmo, our dear sweet Elmo went on the internet and asked an innocuous question. He said, Elmo is just checking in. How is everybody doing? But because this is the internet, everybody, first of all, this has 93.1 million views. Come on. Uh, yeah, so Monday morning, Elmo asks this question, and the answer is not good, guys. Uh, general weariness about the state of the world coming out here. Detroit Lions fans took a lot of opportunities to, to talk here. Basically, what we've come to find is that people on the Internet are not doing well, okay? Really not doing well. And, Golik, what would, if you came across this on the Internet, Elmo's just asking how everybody's doing. What would you say to Elmo? How would you respond? I would say this is stupid. Why do I care what Elmo thinks about, you know, my thought about anything? Well, I, what? I, you can't I, just I, be I, nice to Elmo and answer his question? Like, Dad, you're the one person who I feel like when Elmo asked, how are you doing, would actually say, I'm doing fine. Like, you generally I, I seem to be having if, a good time. If, if you're asking me what I would answer, and I never even I never even saw this tweet, and I never even would even think about answering it at all. I this is one of those I would just move on from. 
Um, that I, I would say, fine, thanks for asking. I mean, no, no more, no less than that. That, that would be it. I, I, but it seems people love to take the opportunity to really go down roads that are, quite honestly, horrific. Yeah. When, when something as simple like this from a sweet character like Elmo asks it. So, well, because we get this all the time in society where when people ask you, how are you doing? Most people do what you just did, Dad. We give a yeah. nondescript answer and sort of move on because they're not really asking. I don't know what it is about Elmo. Maybe it's the familiarity, especially with a lot of people my age, about a childhood figure that made them just want to trauma dump all over Elmo. Like, yeah. if they actually showed this stuff to Elmo, this is what we need content-wise. We need Sesame Street to have Elmo do one of those mean tweet-style readings where Elmo just reads the responses to how his question went over. I do think Sesame Street, um, the Twitter had to release a statement being like, if you are going through a mental health crisis, please reach out to somebody because the responses what? were so dark. And why are you, if you have a mental health crisis, why are you telling Elmo? Because who I else mean, can seriously? you tell? Maybe Elmo's I mean, their only expensive. outlet. Tell a friend. I mean, in all, is plus in all honesty, <laughs> plus in all honesty, if, if someone in real life asks you how you're doing, do they really give a damn? No. Do they really, really care? So why am I caring about if Elmo is asking me how I'm doing? Because it's a great opportunity to I treat it like anybody else asks me. Down. You don't really care. Fine, and I move on. I mean, Elmo, Elmo apparently cares enough to ask. I don't know why you're coming at Elmo right now for caring. Oh, I'm not coming you at Elmo. You seem to be angry at the wrong person here. No, no, I, I, I don't mean to be mean at Elmo. That, that's now, it, it's, it's more the people, the 91 and a half million people that view this thing like, like it's real. Like this is real. I mean, it, it's, it's not. It's it not is real. real. It is real. It is Elmo the it, puppet asking a question. This is not this real. Is all, speaking of real, this is also a very real time real. to remind you that if you're not watching us here on the DraftKings Network, the YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus or not, you might miss out on some of these very visual bits that we've turned into a largely audio platform. But that's okay. Most of you who listen to this show from day one, we told you we were going to bring your timeline to the airwaves. And uh, we have done just that. And as my mom just texted me and my dad, wow, your dad is bad at the Internet. And mom, I promise you, truer words are never spoken. And that's why we've got a whole segment for it. Elmo is not real, people. Oh, Whoa. when you answer Elmo, when you answer, you're answering nobody. That's dark. that poor admin. That's dark. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.